Hello and welcome to Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and today I've got an incredibly special episode for you. I'm chatting with a young woman who's had to overcome a lot in her life. She's called Emma May. I kind of think it was just knowing that people weren't as cruel because obviously like challenges in school and like I finally came to realise that not everyone is out to judge me or like hurt me. It was that understanding to myself that I'm okay. Like, no one's going to hurt me. Emma May is from Falkirk. She's a carer for her parents and struggled with her own mental health after years of personal challenges at school. At a point where her anxiety and low self-esteem meant she didn't want to leave the house, she saw an advert for the Prince's Trust on Facebook. The Prince's Trust is a wonderful charity. I'm a goodwill ambassador for mental health and well-being for them. They help people who face disadvantage and adversity to get their lives on track, supporting them into education, training and jobs. And that's exactly what they did for Emma. She applied for and completed the Explore programme, which, as you'll hear, did an amazing job working on her confidence and her group work skills. So much so that she's now studying for a law degree. Do you know what? It was such a privilege to be able to have this chat with Emma May. I felt very lucky that she felt safe enough to open up to me and I really enjoyed learning all about Emma May's life and her experiences that have taken her to the place she's at today. Confident, studying a subject she loves and socialising with loads of friends. It was just a really, really joyful afternoon. And you're going to want to stick around right until the end because, oh my gosh, there is a very special surprise in store. And I cry. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Okay, here is this very special show. Emma May, I am so looking forward to our chat today and I want to say thank you first of all because I know that you are incredibly busy at the moment so I appreciate you taking time out to, to be on Happy Place. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Now you're very busy for lots of reasons. One of them is that you're at Stirling Uni studying law at the moment. Mm-hmm. You started, was it September last year? September last year. And how's it all going? Stressful. Yeah. Like, so stressful but really enjoying it. I never realised I could enjoy law until I started. It's completely different from anything else I've done, but loving every minute of it. And I know that you've chosen law for a specific reason. So talk to me a little bit about that. So my parents are disabled and kind of seeing how like the system treats disabled people and how women get treated in comparison to men. 
So I wanted to go into human rights, but focus on women's rights and disability rights and kind of just fight for changes that no one else is fighting for. That's amazing. It's amazing. I couldn't like feel the fire in your <laughs> belly. Like this is it. You're doing it. So you've got two years left at uni. Is that right? Three. 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 Sorry, just add another year in there, Emma. (laughs) Three years left. My goodness. But it's just such a brilliant way to to start in that career that you've got such big hopes for. It's brilliant. Got like so many hopes and dreams and like passions and like just determined to make a change. Yeah, which you undoubtedly will. And I know another reason that you're incredibly busy is you're currently helping the Scottish government design the Young Persons Guarantee as well. Have you finished doing that? So I wouldn't say it's finished, but right. um, it's launched. Yeah. So it took two years. I'm part of the original panel that created it from scratch. So the Scottish government gave Young Scott, who's a charity based in Scotland, this idea to help support young people after the pandemic and its effect on young people's mental health. Um, so we basically created this guarantee, which it is. It's a guarantee that 16 to 24 year olds can get into basically anything they want, whether it be work, education, training, anything really and it got launched this year and it's, it's live and it started benefiting young people so yeah being able to be a part of something so big is so important especially because I want to go into human rights. It's brilliant I think you know as you just said especially sort of coming out of the last two years where that age group were really heavily hit with a lack of opportunities, either whether it's starting university or even starting a new job. You know, there's been a huge delay there. So I think it's just so important that you've, again, put your passion and your knowledge behind that to create something that that is live, that is helping people already. I mean, that must feel amazing to know you're already doing brilliant things and, and helping to change people's lives. Yeah, it feels like amazing because I know that I'm making a change and like I'm part of this big panel. So it's not just me, it's like so many other people and we've just put so much work into it, so much of like our own personal experiences as well to help shape it because we want to be able to basically give the impression that every young person, every single young person in Scotland has had an influence on this. So putting our personal experiences in kind of helps. So important. Yeah. So I know, you know, obviously at the moment you're incredibly busy and you're at this place now where you're feeling confident in what you're doing. You're excited about what you're doing. Yeah. But it hasn't always been like that. And I know the Prince's Trust have played a huge part in getting you to where you are today. So tell me a little bit about your Prince's Trust journey. So like before Prince's Trust, I was really anxious and like hated leaving my room really. So very antisocial. Um, just going out to like say for shopping was such it was, I'd say traumatic because I didn't want to be out and then kind of getting in touch with the trust was kind of like my opportunity to change and be a better version of myself so got in touch with them about doing a employability course um, because I didn't have any career prospects not having very good qualifications from school because I had so many things going on with care and responsibilities and my own mental health that just wasn't being recognised. So it was really good to see that they had something to support me, even with no qualifications. Let's go back a bit further. So you've been caring for your parents since about the age of 11. 11, yeah. So what what did that mean for you on a day-to-day basis? Uh, it's hard to describe unless you've actually been in the situation so I never know what to say it's just helping them with like daily tasks most of it is like mental health based now um but could be like shopping helping them out with like bills and stuff and like fuel electricity and gas especially with the cost of living crisis 
like it's not a new thing the cost of living crisis has always been around and I know that because I'm a carer helping them with like personal care like help organize things with like if they have meetings with social the welfare benefit system stuff like that just a mixture of stuff but again it's hard to describe unless you've actually been in that situation and understand yeah and of course alongside that you're at school and also dealing with anxiety and you were diagnosed with social anxiety disorder yeah a little bit further down the line when did you start realize that that you were feeling an anxiety about being out in public mixing with other people so I was always told in school that like it's just that I wasn't trying hard enough or I wasn't doing enough work um being a carer and trying to juggle school it's just it was my own fault but I guess it's kind of when I started going into the work environment where I started to really feel that anxious state and I was like something's not right But again, with the system, it takes a while to get diagnoses. So I went such a long time thinking, oh, it's just me. Like, there's nothing wrong. And that's a lonely place to be when you feel like nobody understands what you're going through. You have nobody else to talk to about how you're feeling. How, How did your anxiety show up? How would it make you feel physically, mentally? So I wasn't able to socialize or make friends. I didn't know how to make friends. And that sounds so weird to say now because... Don't even remember that feeling. But yeah, I didn't, I wouldn't say I had any friends. Um, Again, not being able to leave the house, not being able to even sit with my family because I just wanted to be by myself. And again, it felt like no one understood what I was going through. Yeah, just not being able to live my life and be be a kid. Yeah, yeah. And that's obviously such a huge part of being a kid is just getting out there and making friends, which is, I guess, seen en masse as a given, but it absolutely was not for you with this huge level of discomfort and also loneliness chucked on top of that. Because of my care and responsibilities. Yeah, Yeah. it's just so much for you to deal with. So after you were diagnosed, did that offer you any relief or perhaps did you meet anybody else who was going through something similar? How did that help you? I think it was the understanding that I know I was right and that there was something wrong. And just that no one would believe me. So it was kind of like that feeling of relief that I was right. And I know there was an issue. And knowing that it meant that I was able to start making changes and like, I guess, start integrating myself with my family. Yeah, I didn't really meet anyone else that was going through the same thing. Because it is hard to meet people having social anxiety, which means I don't want to talk to other people that have it. And I don't know how to meet other people that have it. So what was the first step in you getting out of that and changing your mindset because sitting with you today and knowing a little bit about your story like I do and we were just talking before we started recording about you've been staying with a friend up in Newcastle before you came down to London and you seem to have a really great social setup now and friends and the buzz of university it's so far from where you started so what were those first steps in you reaching out to other people, going out in public, leaving the house. How did you get to that point? I wouldn't say I was really at that point until Princess Trust. I wasn't ready to be out in the world. Like even travelling, like what I did today, I could never do that before Princess Trust. So yeah, Princess Trust were like my turning point. Like I can never do any of this. Like even sitting here talking to, <laughs> talking to you, I can never do that before. So talk me through this, right? So where did you find out about the Prince's Trust first? How did you find out what they did, who they were, how it worked? So I never knew that they were a thing, that they existed until I saw an advert on Facebook. It was for one of their get into healthcare courses. Um, So I got in touch with them. Like that was a major step for me. I bet it was. I mean, that 
seemingly was out of character for you to think, I'm going to try this because you would yeah. obviously know you were going to have to talk to other people. Mm-hmm. You were going to have to put yourself out of your comfort zone. I knew that I would have to talk to someone on the phone. And yeah. Even to this day, I still hate talking on the phone. But... I hate talking on the phone. <laughs> it's a thing. I think some people would just yeah. like, I hate, like, please text me or leave me a voice note. Yeah. Please don't call me. And don't call me unless you're going to tell me you're calling me first. Yeah. Text me. To tell exactly. me you're going to call me. Yeah. Never call me out the blue. No, never. And never call me from a withheld number because I am picking up. <laughs> I will not answer it. I will not answer that phone call. <laughs> so, so you know that you're going to have to speak to somebody, yeah. a human that you've never met before. That's like a moment of inspiration for you thinking, I'm just going to do it. Where did that come from? I mean, my palms were sweaty. I was like shaking. I was like, I don't think I can do this. Like, it's that constant doubt in yourself. But it's only because getting told so much when you're younger and you start to believe that you can't do anything and constant, yeah, just a constant doubt. And then I guess once she started talking, she had this way of like making me feel at ease. But unfortunately, I didn't have the qualifications for that specific course. So she was like, is there anything else you're interested in? And I was like, well, there's a, a hospitality one. So she put me in touch with the Edinburgh Centre and that would be my like youth support worker. And he kind of, he was my turning point, I'd say. And so how, how did he act as that turning point? What were his words of encouragement? How did he get you to the point where you thought, yeah, there's, there's something else out there for me and I can do this? I guess I got to a good point where I was good at hiding my anxiety, like hiding how anxious I truly was. Um, I feel like I've gotten much better nowadays as well. But he saw straight through it. He was like, I know you, I know, I know you before <laughs> I even know you. <laughs> so he was like, before you get into this, hospitality course I think it'd be good for you to do some like confidence building courses because clearly you're not confident and you need support and I guess he was the first person to like truly believe in me and like let me know that he believed in me and that I could do it. So that's already a confidence booster in itself having someone sitting there going look I hear you I see danger. yeah I can see through you trying to hide this anxiety and I also know that you can move on from that that must have been a huge boost in itself yeah like at the end of our meeting I couldn't believe it like I'd actually talked to a stranger and it was like a success which I didn't think it was going to be yeah it's a huge moment so then you went you did these confidence was they, were they workshops how, how did how did that turn out what did you do so we always make a joke out of it but I was there at the trust every single week without fail like probably the only young person that was there every single week but that very first group was probably the toughest because it had been five years since I'd been in a group of people my own age. So it was this big group with staff all around us and I got thrown straight in the defence. Ewan, who was my youth support worker, said to me, oh, I'll be right behind you. I'll be there for the first like 10 minutes or so. He wasn't. <laughs> he, <Thanks> disappeared. <laughs> he disappeared <laughs> before I even realised. But that was probably better for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it yeah. just threw me straight into this group of young people. That I mean, I how did you feel standing there for the first time in five years? That's a huge moment. I hid at the back most of the time, but it felt good to know that I, I was capable. Yeah. And that I could socialise and I could talk to people. As much as I tried to talk to them, I did struggle with it because obviously being such a long time, I didn't know how to talk to them, but that's where the staff kind of came in and icebreakers and yeah, yeah, just getting us used to each other. And at what point do you think you started to think, yeah, like I'm, I'm feeling confident. I've, there's options out there for me. I can, you know, I can do whatever I, I want now. Like when did that start to kick in? Probably the second week, the second group. Wow, that's yeah. quite soon after. Yeah. 
I can think it was just knowing that people weren't as cruel because obviously like challenges in school and like I finally came to realise that not everyone is out to judge me or like hurt me. It was that understanding to myself that I'm okay. Yeah. Like no one's going to hurt me. You know what? I think it's so common with so many people out there who'll be listening to this today, no matter what their background, whether they've also been a carer or whatever industry they're working in now, whether they're still at school, that's, and I can certainly see how it's happened over the years in my own life where you take on other people's commentary on your own life and then you start to believe it. (laughs) Other people's words become your truth. And it's very, very hard to get out of that and to start making up your own mind as to who you want to be and and how you want to see yourself and how you want to see your life play out. How did you get to that point where you're like, I'm not going to listen to to that story anymore of, you know, what you dealt with at school, what teachers were saying, what other kids were saying? How did you lose that narrative to to create space for your own one? I guess it was just the staff always telling me that I could do it, constantly saying to me, you can do it. Like, you're more than capable. Like, I did start to believe that myself. And then that's where I'm kind of like, well, actually, I can do this and I can believe in, like, my own self. I don't need other people to believe in me. Yeah, just, I don't even know how I picked it up, but I just started being more open and, like, willing to talk to people. Brilliant. It's so brilliant. And then I know, obviously, like for a lot of people out there your age, but, you know, not exclusive to the last couple of years, but especially that first lockdown, very, very challenging for anybody dealing with anything mentally. Yeah. Anxiety, depression and both of those magnified for you in that first lockdown. So tell me what happened there. That must have felt like a bit of a step back for you at that point. Yeah. So being at the trust in person like consistently over, I think it was two, two and a half months. And then I got to the end of this hospitality course and we were so excited because we were getting our interviews to like start working. And it was the day of the interviews that the lockdown happened, like everything shut down. So I essentially lost it in this opportunity and it kind of took me back to that point where I was like, well, what's the point? Like, what's the point in going out Um, and like talking to people and making connections And then that's when my regular support worker went on furlough because unfortunately a lot of the staff did go on furlough. But luckily the the new member that would check in on me, she was part of the delivery team. So I already knew her like really well. So that made it a lot easier. And she was kind of like my go-to. She'd check in on me every week, would have like a completely random chat for an hour. It could be about absolutely anything. And that was kind of like, that's how I kept going. Yeah, Yeah, because I think, for many people, especially dealing with depression and anxiety, but obviously, again, not exclusive to whatever mental health problem present, that initial lockdown was a very lonely time. And obviously, with ever-changing rules, not knowing if you could see people or not, and for you to have that contact cut off yeah, was extreme. So amazing that, again, the Prince's Trust had that regular dialogue with you, that you had yeah. the same person who you could speak to and talk through your worries and and just hear what you wanted to say and how you were feeling that must have been a great support at that time like there's nothing I could ever describe because it was just so fundamental to me like continuing to keep growing like 
having my own anxiety struggles with the pandemic was heightened, obviously, because I'm worried and my anxiety makes me more worried. And then I've also got to think about my parents' needs. So I can't be like a lot of the people that break the rules and like go out and do whatever when they're meant to be staying in. I've got to stay in because otherwise I'm putting their lives in danger. So, Mm. yeah, that made it more difficult seeing everyone like have fun even with lockdown and I couldn't. And also, I guess, just like having to change your whole routine because you'd got into a new routine of pushing yourself out there, talking to new people and all of a sudden that was gone. I had to isolate myself again, but it wasn't an isolation that... I'd willingly put myself into. No, that's full on. So so coming out of that period now, and obviously we've been talking about this, you're at university now doing your thing. How did you move out of that, you know, being isolated again and having your routine change to going, right, university, that's my next goal? <laughs> so for the previous year, I was meant, like before Prince's Trust, I was meant to start this access to higher education course at the university but I delayed it because I didn't feel that I was ready and I knew I wasn't ready. Um, and that's where Princess Trust kind of stepped in and they basically said to me, no, you can't do it. Like, you can do it. Like, you should go for it. Don't give it up. Don't withdraw from it. So I decided to go ahead with it for that year. And I found that actually I loved learning. Like, the university were absolutely great with me. And I rediscovered my passion for education because... Obviously, for a while, I'd lost all faith in the education system in Scotland. And then having this university say, no, you can't do it. You just need a little bit more support. So I was really, it felt really good to know that I could do it. Yeah. It's so important to have other people like fighting your corner, but also saying, go on, get out there, do it. Because, you know, we've all had those moments where confidence is lacking or there's a challenge ahead and we think, I just don't know if I can do this. But to have an outsider say, I can see that you can. Yeah. Like that is so important. It makes a big difference because always getting told that you're not trying hard enough. It does something to, especially a young person, a young person that's still growing up and still influenced by adults. And then having these other adults say, no, that's not what we think. Like we think different. It was just so important. Do you ever still get a bit of a negative voice in your head trying to bring that narrative back in do you ever sort of have days where you go oh no the confidence has gone again I don't feel like I can do this and if so what do you do in those moments every day all the time yeah like even now doubting myself as much as like I'm more confident than I used to be I always doubt myself I guess it's just kind of taking myself back to my journey with Princess Trust and like seeing how much progress I'd actually made And I'd done it without even thinking about it. So, yeah, it's just reminding myself that I can do more. Yeah. It's really important, I think, isn't it, to look back and go, you know, look where I've come from or look at what, look at the challenges that I've faced. Because if we're only focusing on the future, we sort of forget how brilliantly we've already done. So it's so powerful to hear you say that. You know, you've got to look back at the harder times to see your progression to where you are today. It's kind of the only way to move forward, to kind of look back and see what I did. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So, Emma May, tell me a little bit more about Girls Week. So, kind of halfway through my journey, like um, in person, support from the Trust, we've done a week called Girls Week. Um, it was funded by a Prince's Trust initiative called Women Supporting Women and also L'Oreal Paris. Um, so it's kind of like a group of young women, similar in age, a bit of a mixture, um, kind of getting in the same room and talking to each other and doing different activities. So we've done uh, well-being. So most of it was well-being. So we've done yoga, we've done meditation, we've done like a tea morning. It's like tasting different teas. This is my dream week <laughs> you're describing. Get me there. They've done kickboxing, a lot of different stuff, like crafts, just kind of getting us used to being around young women, which was so important for me because I always thought that women my own age were going to judge me and be horrible to me. So that was, it was like my turning point yeah. where I realised that actually it's not the case. Like, People are so nice if you just give them a chance. It's really healing to do something like that. It's yeah. lovely. So it was such a good week for me. And I met so many nice people. Like I'm still in touch with a few of them, even after like two years. That's um, so nice. And I remember at the end of the week, the very last day, we were getting our certificates and the staff called me up and I just sobbed my eyes out. Oh my God. <laughs> I was just hugging her. I was just crying. <laughs> and they were like, are you okay? I'm No. <laughs> That's so lovely. What a special week. I guess I was just so proud of myself for getting through it. Yeah, and bonding with other people like that. Yeah. With, with that shared experience, that's when mm-hmm. you stay in touch because yeah. you've been through something together and it's yeah. so, so important. It was really emotional. I bet it was. Oh, God, I mean, it sounds heavenly. I want to go to the next one. It's so good. I bet. So talk to me about sailing because I know also that being by the water, on the water, in the water is... <laughs> anywhere anywhere near water. water. <laughs> Same with me. There's something just so dreamy about it. What is it for you? Why do you need to be by the sea? It's just so like freeing and where. Like I always say, being on the water is where like I'm my happiest and where I'm like truly being myself, my place, like my comfort zone. Yeah, something that comforts me. So like being able to volunteer and teach other young people how to sail. And is yeah. that what you're doing now as well? Then yeah, That's um, so lovely. I think I started with them in like 2015 as a young person, and then kind of just gravitated towards staff. So I guess having that similar experience to most of the young people that we sail with, that it is okay and a lot of them are at risk or from disadvantaged backgrounds so they don't always get a lot of support so then being able to come sailing and see there's something different out there for you and you don't have to live near the water to do it yeah yeah so lovely how beautiful so it's really like fulfilling to know that I'm making a difference I bet it is yeah so I know that you've got plans to actually go back to your high school to do a talk at some point how do you feel approaching that because that's obviously a difficult place to go back to, I'm sure, but also a, a lot of, I'm sure you're feeling quite sort of proud about going back there and excited to go and share your journey, yeah. where you've come from, what you're doing. Yeah, just letting the young people, the students know that you don't have to go to university like instantly, like the school system is always pushing. Like it's the main thing about school nowadays. It's just everyone has to go to university. That's the only choice. As much as they say it's not, it is. Yeah. And it, I guess it's kind of my responsibility because of my journey is to let them know that it is okay to like struggle. It is okay to not want to go to university like now or maybe not ever. 
like it is fine like it's not the end of the world you are going to do like still amazing things you just have to find your own way and I guess they don't hear that enough and that's why I want to do it just mm. kind of let them know that it's okay like, and you I can it. do it on your timeline you can do it it doesn't have to be straight after school yeah. it could be later down. I mean I haven't been I'm 40 <laughs> I mean I still think about that quite a lot that I would like to do a degree and I think I've still got quite a lot lots of sort of insecurity that I haven't been for the very reasons that you've yeah. just spoken of that it is you know completely encouraged that you go through that linear system of you do well at school you go to university and that's where your options begin mm-hmm. and I I think it's really important like you're saying to tell people you can go whenever you want down the line and you don't that's have to either like, yeah so many people make it just from like going straight into work like they can work their way all the way up a company or they can go into an apprenticeship and that's another way or like even college, like that has so many opportunities, much more than people realise. Yeah. And how are you dealing with university life? Because it's obviously quite extreme going from the life you had before where you were very nervous to go out in public yeah. to then being, most of us know what university is like. My stepson's at university at the moment. It's a lot of fun. There are a lot of people all with a similar agenda in many ways. How are you dealing with that? How, do you, are you enjoying it? Do you still have days where you feel anxious? Like every day at university is an anxious day. The first semester, because I just finished first year, the first semester was all online. Second semester, we done most face-to-face, but you had the option of online. And I chose face-to-face. It's kind of like putting myself out there again, getting myself out of that comfort zone that I knew for way too long. Um, Because my access to higher education course, that was all online. I never saw the campus until I started first year. So yeah, I had to like push myself out and just try it and if I didn't like it I could always go back to online but I knew that I wanted to try for myself and you are enjoying it yeah I'm really enjoying it yeah the university is great and the course as much as it can be so intense and stressful just again I love learning which I never had before because I didn't have anyone to believe in me whereas Mm. now I do Oh, it's so amazing and so what what do you want to do after after you finish this four-year degree what are your plans? What is the future for MMA? I want to move out of Scotland because there's not that many opportunities, especially for young people from disadvantaged backgrounds. Um, the more money you have, the easier it is to get opportunities in law, which shouldn't be the case, but it is. Another thing you can change? Yeah, another thing I could change. So many things. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to move to like London and then I can start from there and like do different countries all over the world yeah oh that is so brilliant I mean you must feel so hugely empowered by now having those options in front of you but more so knowing you can do it yeah like I know I can do it because I've had people tell me I can do it and now I like believe it for myself that I can do it that's the important bit isn't it because it's all very well other people keep saying you can do it you can do it but until you really believe deep down that you can do it it never feels quite possible. But yeah. knowing inside that you can, that is it. That's like the, it's like the switch. It's the switch. Yeah. I'm so excited for you. Like I'm excited to see like how much further I can get and like how much more I can influence change. Like doing lunch with an old bag for Prince's Trust last year. That was like, I'd say that was another turning point for me because that was like 250 people in this one room after the pandemic just crazy and how did you deal with that I said to the staff like just before I was due to go up on stage I said 
I can't do this. I can't go up there. <laughs> to be fair, I feel like that literally every time I have to go on the stage still now. So do not worry about that one. I think it's quite normal when you've got a big audience that it is pretty bloody scary to go and stand on a stage. It's so scary. And I I like I really thought I wasn't going to be able to do it. I was standing there with like tears in my eyes and just looking at them as if to say, please don't make me go up there. <laughs> But they did. did. And you did it. Yeah, did it. And it's another thing. You can just tick off the list. Done it. It's so brilliant. Yeah. And now you can tick being on a podcast off the list. Done. (laughs) So there's one other thing I wanted to talk to you about. Obviously, talking to you today is going to inspire so, so many people out there who will hear your story and perhaps feel a boost of confidence or like they can do something as well. So I do have some other news. The judges at the Prince's Trust, have chosen you as the national winner of the Young Changemaker Award. Congratulations. Come here, you. (laughs) I don't like surprises. (laughs) It's a good one, though. Thank you. Well done, you. I'm such a horrible cry. (laughs) Oh, I'm so happy for you. Well done, sweetheart. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. It's beautiful news and so deserved. You go to the loo, get yourself a tissue. So we've been to the loo, we've wiped our eyes <laughs> from that very amazing moment. Shock. You're the winner. How are you feeling? How are you processing that? I mean, I never thought that I would win the UK award because like, there's so many amazing people like the competition well I wouldn't say it's a competition more that everyone's done such amazing things and I didn't think that mine's my experiences and everything that I've tried to do lived up to like other people's because like seeing what they've done but yeah it's just the shock like I still can't believe it the judges chose you I don't think it'll sink in until when the awards ceremony happens. I know. And that's going to be another huge moment for you. Yeah, huge. How do you think your uni friends and your family are going to react to the news? I think they're going to be so excited. I don't think I'm going to tell them until after the podcast comes out. Are you not? No, I keep it. (laughs) Let them listen to it because they say they want to listen to it. And then, yeah, let them find out that way. Oh my gosh. Because I've just had the biggest shock, so they should get a shock. (laughs) They should be equally shocked and yes. cry equal amounts of tears. Yeah. I mean, it's such a brilliant moment and so, so deserved. And hopefully will act as another huge confidence boost so that yeah. you can realise how absolutely brilliant you are. It's kind of like that push to be able to do more. I know I can do it. Like, I've just proved that. So, yeah. So I'm looking forward to receiving another award. This is it. Yeah. More celebration for you, MMA. Yeah, I'm um, rightly so. Yeah, I'm still in shock, but I'm, I'm so excited. So, obviously, to receive your award, you need to go to the Prince's Trust Awards Ceremony <laughs> in London, where you'll be meeting His Royal Highness, the Prince of Wales. Yeah, it's like meeting him is all I've been able to talk about for like ages. So, being able to do that as well is like it doesn't seem real because obviously he's a member of the royal family and like from what would be classed as a disadvantaged background, so it's not. It's not normal to meet someone that prestigious. It's happening. <laughs> so <laughs> it's such a big moment. And again, I won't like believe it until 
like it actually happens till he's there. <laughs> what are you going to wear, more uh, importantly? I don't know. It's a I big one. I don't know what to wear to something that big. Dress, jumpsuit, what are we thinking? Probably a dress, dress, but it has to be like spectacular. Spectacular. It has to be like the best of the best. Like the best dress you've ever worn, a wow dress. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm going to help you pick this out. <laughs> we need to get you the dress. The dress. Well, look, I am so inspired and empowered hearing your story and no doubt it's going to inspire so many people out there hearing you know the situation you've come from and the mental health issues that you were dealing with to how you've just turned your whole life around and your plans for the future it's so exciting and I've just loved hearing you speak today so thank you MMA thank you for like inviting me on it's such a big opportunity anytime <laughs> come back whenever you like <laughs> I will take you up on that. Oh my God, guys, I could literally barely get my words out when I was telling Emma that she'd won. I was so nervous. My heart was thumping in my chest that I was, my lips were sort of quivering. I was so nervous to tell her the good news. It was such a beautiful moment. It was an honour to be able to tell her that news. And I was really worried about messing it up so I'm glad it all went well it was such a beautiful moment I feel very grateful to have been part of that the Prince's Trust Awards in association with TK Maxx and HomeSense is on TV on Thursday the 26th of May at 8.30pm on ITV I've attended the awards before. I've actually presented them one year with Philip Schofield, which was utterly terrifying. Um, And I've met so many of the inspiring award winners and stayed in touch with many of them over the years as well, which has been lovely. We actually did an episode with a wonderful lady called Grace, you can go back and listen to on Happy Place as well, who is a Prince's Trust ambassador and runs an amazing business. Honestly, definitely watch the awards if you can. It's just a really feel-good ceremony and super inspiring. Thanks so much again to MMA and the biggest, biggest congratulations. Thank you to the producers of this episode, Anushka Tate and Matt Hill at Rethink Audio and to you gorgeous lot for sharing all of this with us. Big love. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.